Any of you who are athletes, you know, if you're a softball player, you got to work on your swing. If you're a basketball player, you got to work on your foul shots. If you're a lacrosse player, you got to stay on the wall. You got to get your reps. It's the same thing with your career. You're gifted, but you got to get your reps. Welcome to The Study Table, a conversation about student-athletes with insiders. I'm your host, Fred Opie. Today's episode is a talk Fred gave at Herkimer County College in upstate New York, where he attended school and played lacrosse before transferring to Syracuse. Speaking to a room full of student-athletes, Fred shares the insights he wishes he had known when he was starting college at Herkimer. The event was part of the school's 50th anniversary celebration. Enjoy the show. I was a first-year student here in, in 1981. I came here as a lacrosse player, spent two years here, and then transferred to Syracuse University where I had a scholarship, played lacrosse at Syracuse for two years, had the opportunity to actually play in two national championships. Unfortunately, lost both of them, but... Uh, one of those rare opportunities. Uh, I then went on and played for the U.S. national team in 1990, World Championships in Australia. After that, I was a public school teacher for about three years and then decided it was time for me to go back to school and eventually earned a doctorate degree in history, and I'm a history professor. I published uh, my fifth book. I'll actually be out in January. So I tell you all that not to boast, but just so you know, that there's some experience behind what I'm gonna say. But I wanna talk to you about what I call the total career makeover. I wish that somebody had shared this with me when I was a student here. Step one, identify your gift. The thing you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort is your gift. Everybody here, God has given every one of you a gift. Now, when I was your age, the only gift I really thought I had was the ability to play lacrosse. But if you want to know what your gift is, and every one of you have a gift, I don't care what you think, is more than just the sport that you play, there's something that you can do better than anybody else, and it doesn't take you as much effort as it takes anybody else. So I want you to think about that. If you tap into that early in your, in your life, you're on your way to having a very successful career in life. So number one, identify what your gift is. If you're thinking about what your major should be, it should be connected to that gift. If you're thinking about when you transfer, what school should you go to and what should I major in when I get to that school, it should be something that's around that gift. Because if you stay in that gift, you're gonna have a lot of opportunity, you're gonna have a lot of success if you stay in your gift. Part of what you're hearing right now is me working in my gift, which is I enjoy public speaking. I enjoy explaining things to people at a, at a way that they can understand at their level. So identify what your gift is. Second step, get a mentor. A mentor will help you understand how to use your gift. And that's important, having mentors in your life. Identifying people, as I said, someone who is excited about showing you the best way to achieve your goal. One thing can happen is you can identify what your gift is, but you don't necessarily know how to use your gift to make a living, how to use your gift as a vocation. My vocation is actually my vacation. I'm doing this for free because I love doing what I'm doing. But at the same time, I get paid a lot of money to come and do these kind of talks. A lot of money. Somebody called me up, they heard me speaking on the radio, 
and they called me up and they asked me to come give a, a talk to a, a big conference. Would you like to get paid for something you, you, know, you would do for free? Wouldn't that be cool? Monday, going to work is easy when you're doing something you like. So find a mentor who can put you in one of those positions to figure out along the way. Because once I identified my gift, I still had a lot of work to do, and I had to talk to a lot of mentors. I'll give you an example of the first book I published in 2008. I had never negotiated a book contract. I had no idea. So I had a publisher for the book, but I had no idea what to negotiate. So what did I do? I called one of my mentors. Somebody built and had published books before I had. That person gave me words to use in a negotiation that I didn't understand very well, but the publishing company knew, and I got the book contract that I wanted. And then every year, as I published a book, I got better and better at it. A mentor is somebody who can show you the direction to go with your gift and your ability. Step number three, choose the right preparation. When I came here uh, in 1981, I came probably different than some of you all, but probably similar to some of you all. I was a high school senior. Uh, I did very well my last year in sports, and I applied to schools. A couple schools showed interest in me, but my grades were really bad. And they were really bad for a couple reasons. Probably number one is that I didn't have a whole lot of grit. When things got hard, I just packed it in and turned on the TV. Number two, I had a learning disability, still do. Severe case of ADHD. When I finally got diagnosed with ADHD, I remember the very last test that I did, the psychologist was looking at the results and looking at me and looking at the results and looking at me and he's shaking his head. He said, you're a PhD student? He said, I don't even know how you got to this far. He said, people that have what you have, they usually involve very destructive behavior. A lot of them are incarcerated because they can't function in real life. So I had to learn quickly how to prepare myself. And part of my preparation is understanding what it means to have ADHD and how to work with that. You gotta identify your gift, you gotta get a mentor, and find out what is the best preparation you need for your career. So for many of you, you need to think about what school that you wanna to go to. Choose an affordable preparation plan. Preparation does not always mean a degree. I'm gonna pause, I want you to think about that. Preparation does not always mean a college degree. I would say one of the most important preparation tools that I still use, and keep in mind, you're talking to somebody who has an associate's degree from Herkimer, right? Bachelor's degree from Syracuse, have a master's degree from a place called Shippensburg University in Pennsylvania, and then have a PhD from Syracuse University. So I don't lack for degrees. A lot of the preparation that I do now, I'm not getting another degree. Probably the most powerful tool I have on me right now is my smartphone. I listen to probably a month per month, it could be as much as five or six books I'm reading, but in my case, I'm listening to it, the book per month. Anytime somebody recommends a book to me, I'm writing it down, I'm trying to see if I can get it. There are so many great resources in a public library that you can use to prepare yourself. The course that I took to maybe decide to leave my career as a teacher and go back and get a PhD was a free course at a public library. It was a free course. It was a six-week course that I did on my own in the evening, get, didn't get any credit. But it showed me exactly what I should be doing. So think about preparation more than just getting a degree and make sure it's affordable. As you transfer here to go on, I challenge you, avoid loans like they are the plague. 
Most people think you have to get a student loan to get a degree. That is not true. And one of the things that you did by making a decision to come to Herkimer, you may not even realize it, but you made a fantastic investment and in get an affordable education. So you think about my college degree from Syracuse University. When I went to Syracuse, at that time, that degree was about $20,000 per year. I went here for two years, got all my recs, right? got all my recs out of the way, transferred in as a junior, got a scholarship. So that four-year degree cost my family roughly, roughly about $10,000. I had a very small student loan at the time because I didn't know what I know now. When I was at Herkimer, I had a job with the physical plant. So I used to shovel snow in the wintertime, rake leaves. You name it, I did it. I had a job. I had a work-study job. Think about what you can do to get through college without going into debt. When I was getting my PhD, as I became what we call as a teaching assistant, I applied for the position, and when I got the position, it paid for my tuition at Syracuse, and it paid me a stipend, and it gave me health benefits. So I was able to get the PhD without going into further debt. Can't believe the hype that you have to take a student loan out. You don't have to take a student loan out. You might need to work your way through school. I worked through that PhD, I probably work 20, 25 hours a week. In addition to, the, to the, the teaching fellowship I had, I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods back when it was just three stores up in Syracuse selling sneakers. I did that for about eight hours a week. So there's a lot of things you can do. Work while I'm going to college? Yeah, work while you're going to college. Get out of college without debt. You can do it. You can do it while you're here. You can do it when you go on. Pick the right college, affordable college. When you all go to the dentist, how many of you stop and before that joker puts something in your mouth says, where did you go to school? Let me see your degree. You don't ask your dentist that, right? When you bring your car to a mechanic, most of you don't stop and say, where did you get your degree from? Let me see your certificate. What was your GPA? Nobody asks that kind of stuff. So some people have the ideal that a college degree is like a status symbol. You don't need to drive a BMW when you go to your next college. You can drive a Chevy. Get yourself a Chevy education. Think about the state school where you're from and see if you can go to school there. It's going to be a whole lot cheaper. So you can get a bachelor's degree from Syracuse. You get a bachelor's degree from Geneseo. You say you want to be a teacher? Find out the best state school for preparing people to be teachers. There's a lot of really good schools that's affordable. And you can get through the next two years after you leave here without going into debt. Step four, internships. While you're here at Urkimer, you need to get an internship. Over the summertime, get an internship. If you can't get an internship that's paid, get a volunteer one, an unpaid one. It is the best way for you to work on your 10,000 hours. What are 10,000 hours? Those are the training you need to perfect your gift and your talent. There's, it's not enough to say, I have a, a gift and a talent from God to do what I got to do. You got to work on that gift and talent. And an internship can also, it can, it can let you know exactly, am I on the right path? I think I'm gifted in this particular area. If you get, and you do an internship and you find out what you want to, what, you know, what you're doing is something that you really enjoy, it kind of confirms you're in the right path. Let me give you a funny story about an internship-like experience. I think it was my senior year, I thought about being a podiatrist, because I had had a lot of foot problems. A lot of, I actually had foot surgery when I was here between my first and second year. So I, I had spent a lot of time working with a podiatrist and thought about it as a career. So I went home, and the podiatrist that treated me, 
I told him about this. And he said, well, why don't you come by and watch me do a procedure in the office and, and see, you know, see how it goes. So he did an in-office in -office surgery, and I went. And I remember him taking out the scalpel and uh, you know, putting in the anesthesia, and he uh, does the insertion with the scalpel, and the blood comes out. And the next thing I remember is I woke up outside the office. Translation, I fainted. It was real clear that that was not a gift for me to be a podiatrist. So the internship can really clarify a lot of things. It can give you essential job experience, and you got to get those 10,000 hours. You got to keep working on your reps. Any of you who are athletes, you know, if you're a softball player, you got to work on your swing. If you're a basketball player, you got to work on your foul shots. If you're a lacrosse player, you got to stay on the wall. You got to get your reps. It's the same thing with your career. You're gifted, but you got to get your reps. And the internship is probably the best way I can think of, of giving reps, whether it's paid or volunteer. Step five, get a job. Some people want to make top salary coming right out of college. That is just not going to be your situation. Now, think about what I say underneath here. There will be many vehicles en route to your dream job. I started off as a physical education teacher. From a physical education teacher, I ended up going back to school. I was a graduate assistant. It paid for my undergraduate, my graduate school education. Okay, my first job as a professor really was teaching as a teaching assistant. Okay, didn't get compensated a whole lot, but it worked real well. After that, my next job, and I call each one of these jobs a vehicle. If you've ever been in inner city and you got to take a bus from one side of town to the other, you got to transfer, right? This is what I call a vehicle. A job is nothing but a vehicle, and you're going to transfer vehicle after vehicle after vehicle until you get to the dream job that's perfect fit for your talent. So think about jobs as not as something that's permanent. It's going to get me the experience I need to get to the right job so I can use my gift and be a blessing to other people. So I never look at one job as the end. You want to get stuck in life. You want to ride the vehicle as long as you can and then transfer to the next thing. What's, what's going to be the best situation, best vehicle for your gift and your talent? Think about that. Some of you may end up in a position where you're making a lot of money because of your degree. It gives you the opportunity to make a lot of money. If you have a job that gives you a lot of money, but it doesn't give you an outlet for your gift and ability, subsidize your job with an opportunity to use your passion and your gift. Some of you are in a situation where you have a job that's a perfect fit for your gift, but it doesn't compensate you enough to meet your responsibilities. Well, subsidize that great job with a job that gives you more income. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I have friends who make a lot of money. They don't particularly like their job, but their job bankrolls their passion and allows them to use their gift. Subsidize your passion or subsidize your income, but get a job. There's a difference between a job and a hobby. There are a lot of people who spend time they have responsibilities, they have family, and they spend time in jobs that is not compensating them well enough to meet their responsibility. You may want to start a particular business, but if you're not generating income, it's a hobby. I have a podcast. One of the things I would tell you to do when you leave here is to go on to fredobie.com and find your way to my podcast. There's some wonderful content in there for you. It's one that gives you an inside look at how a professor gives grades out. I'm going to tell you. I'm there, I'm one of the people that's giving grades out. And I can tell you, there's some basic psychology 
of how to get good grades. Basic things that you can do to be successful in getting good grades. Listen to it. There's other ones in there that tell you how to read quickly, analyze content, and get through it. There's what I call the super seven. Super seven things in my life that explain why I was able to get to where I am now. Listen to it. Download any and everything. For me though, the podcast is a hobby. It's not an income. So I do it, I love it, but I don't spend a ton of time on it. I have, a, I have to have a job and an income to take care of the responsibilities. I'm a father and I'm a husband. We'll be right back. For more interviews and related content, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast distributors. Also, check out our website at www.fredopi.com. Ask questions on Facebook at Frederick Douglass Opie and on Twitter at Dr. Fred D. Opie. For information about advertising on the show, please email us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com. Hey, listeners, if you're enjoying this episode, check out Study Table Episode 3, entitled Professor Gives Student-Athletes the Inside Scoop, where Fred shares more tips for student-athletes who are balancing their workload at college with their life on the field. Here's a clip. Okay, let me give you something else. Students often do not come to me when they're working on an assignment and having a difficulty until it is really bad and they need to be rescued from deep water that they can't swim in. The time to come see me is before it gets out of hand. I tell students that you got to look at your professor as the mechanic. The AAA, I have AAA, right? Doesn't cost you that much money, by the way. If you're a parent and you're sending your kid off to college and they are taking the family car, buy AAA because that one toe on on the side of the road is going to be worth what you would have to pay for a tow truck to come, but I digress. When you have AAA and you get in a problem, they come right to the rescue. That's how a college professor is. I can't help you if your car is running down the road 60 miles an hour and you're talking about, oh, I'm having problems, oh, I can't do this. You got to pull that bad boy off to the side, otherwise known as my office. Come see me. Let me know what the problem is. Let me look under the hood and figure it out. I have all kinds of experience finding sources that you think don't exist or you can't find. Whatever the scenario is, come see me. Remember, the best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend or review the show on iTunes. Now back to the show. And number six, live on a monthly budget. I really wish somebody had told me this when I was your age. Live on a monthly budget. You actually have a monthly budget and you know exactly where every one of those dollars goes. Now, I have a wallet but I don't have any dollars in my wallet that are not designated. They're all designated for something. Some of them designated for entertainment. Some designated for gas, designated for food, designated for my, for my mortgage, but they're all designated. A great uh, website is called everydollar.com, everydollar.com. It's free, you go on there, you put in your income, and it gives you ability to designate all of your money. If you can't handle $500, you can't handle $5 million. That's just the bottom line. We all know stories of professional athletes that a year to two after they finish playing, they are broke. They're filing bankruptcy. Get out of debt and stay out of debt. We have three months living expense in the bank. So if an emergency happens, I'm my own banker. It's not going to freak me out. Something goes wrong with the car, 
Take the money out of the bank, pay for it. If I had to replace the car, I could replace the car. Give, spend, and save. Now, giving could be a lot of things. My goal is to get to the point financially, particularly when my kids get done with school, and I plan on bankrolling my kids' education, so they want to go to state school in Massachusetts, they can go. I have what they call a 529 college fund. Every month, money is going in the bank, so when those kids get to the age of wanting to go to college, I'll pay for it. And I told my kids, I will pay for you to get a degree from a state university in Massachusetts, which is the state I live in. If you want to go to a private school after that, you're paying for it. I'm not paying for it. I will make sure you don't have to take out any debt if you want to get a state school degree. After that, you're on your own. You want to go to Harvard? Fine, go to Harvard. You pay for Harvard. No problem. No foul, no offense. But I want to get to the point where we have enough money, and we will because my goal is to pay off my mortgage as soon as possible, that when I come back to Herkimer, not only can I give up my time, but I want to be able to cut a check. I'd love to have a scholarship in my dad's name, my mother's name, to students who are doing some of the things I'm talking about. Make sure they're rewarded. But I can't do that if I don't have a monthly budget. I can't do that if I'm going out and buying the latest thing every time I see it. I can't do it if I have a fleece, I mean a lease. Three to six months, be your own banker. Go to school where you can afford to. If you can start doing this kind of stuff, you'd be amazed of the things that you'll be able to do in life. Wouldn't you love to be able to, when somebody has a need, you can just cut a check and pay for it? Matter of fact, be the kind of person that when you go to Starbucks, you give the person at the cashier $100 and say, use this to pay for everybody that comes behind me until this $100 runs out. And don't tell anybody about it. Be pretty cool. That you hear of a Herkimer student who is busting their butt, a male and a female, doing the right thing, and you say, I'm going to pay for their next two years of education. I will pay for it. Don't tell them who I am. I just want to pay for it. Man, that'd be nice. That makes me feel good, doing stuff like that. Finally, step seven, live and give like no one else. If you do the steps I'm telling you, you make the sacrifices, you can live like nobody else. You can give like nobody else. You guys can do it. You got a better chance of doing it than I did, because I've just learned this stuff over the last 10 years of making a whole lot of mistakes. I've made some stupid choices. I bought three houses. The first two I bought, I had no business buying those houses. They had no extra money, no emergency fund. And when you do that, stupid and dumb will come right in your house and live right with you. You'll pay, you'll pay for the mistakes. I'll never forget, first job I had, first thing I did, went out and bought a brand new car on a loan. Stupid, stupid, paying somebody else. After I learned a little bit, I took that car. Literally, I had that car about five months. I went and sold that car and bought a new car cash, second-hand car. Drove that car about 10 years. <coughs> Think about it. If you had the ability, instead of paying somebody $400 a month on a car payment, what if you could put $400 a month in a mutual fund, gaining 10% interest? Man, some of you are thinking, yeah. But you got to live now like nobody else so you can live later like nobody else. Let's, let's take a couple questions. How do you manage to do like an internship and play sports at the same time? Try to do internships off season. Uh, number two, you have those long breaks between first and second semester. 
line up something during between that break, uh, line up something during summertime. Those are probably the best times. So it, it is really about timing. One of the books is called Simplify by Bill Hybels, Simplify. And one of the things that I have learned is how to say no. I say no so that I can say yes to things like this that I want to do. I say no to a lot of things that people ask me to do so I can say yes to this, which is what I want to do. I say yes to things where I'm using my gift and no to things that I'm not gifted to do. So the internship you can do, but you got to know what to say no to so you can say yes to those internship opportunities. What would, you, what would your recommendation to be, especially the second year seniors here, um, when they should start planning, prepping for that transfer? When should they be talking to that coach at college and make sure credits are going to go? Um, I know a lot of them wait till the last minute because yeah. they're hoping that Division One scholarship might come, but sometimes it's not there. So but what, yeah. would you, what would you recommend to? I would say actually your first year, I would start with a list of five schools that you want to go to. And I would say out of the five schools, one that is a reach that it might be hard for you to get into, hard for you to break into the lineup. And then I would go down to easier schools. So I'd have five schools that you're checking out. I would go visit those five schools, perhaps uh, the spring semester of your first year or the summertime. I would go and attend a class. So I think that's real important. Make sure. Uh, the five schools you're looking at, what are the requirements for transferring? Will they accept all my credits? If they're not going to accept all your credits, I wouldn't even consider going there. The school that's not going to take you as a junior, I would not even consider. I'd see if there's reciprocal programs. I'd be sure to talk to the people here and know what are the schools that have reciprocal programs that accept uh, Herkimer students with associate's degree directly into that program. I'd make sure I know what is that school going to cost me for two years and can I afford it? What kind of grants, what kind of scholarships, not loans, what kind of grants and scholarships am I going to be eligible for? As far as playing, you need to know, do you have the ability? You've got to be realistic with yourself. Do I have the ability to play at this school? Would I be happy at the school as a bench warmer? Would I be happy the role of being a, what I call a scout team player, which is demonstrating what the other team's going to do each week? Would I be only happy if I'm a starter? I can tell you, when I transferred to Syracuse, I'd just come off of uh, knee surgery, and it was, it was really hard. Um, I was very unrealistic about what it meant to be a Division I athlete. I wasn't in the best physical shape. I didn't understand what it meant to be the best physical shape. It took probably about the first year to adjust to the speed of the game. And this is something you're probably not going to hear from a lot of people. There are very few people at the division, at, at junior college, Division three, two, and one. Very few people who have played college uh, sports for four years. So let's say you go on to a four-year school. Very few people. I can think of a lot of guys who I went to Syracuse with who quit the team. I can think of a lot of people at Babson, where I work now, who come in as highly recruited athletes and don't play all four years. It's a rare person who plays four years. So if you do that, it's, it's unusual. But I think getting on the radar quickly. I came in here thinking that I was going to go to the University of Maryland. And what happened at the time was I recruited them harder than they recruited me. So I ended up getting a scholarship from them, nothing like the scholarship I was offered at other schools. And I should have realized that they weren't showing me any love. If, if a coach is not showing you any love, 
I wouldn't be going there. You want to make sure that the, the coach is showing you a lot of love. I would also talk to people who graduated from that school you're thinking about going to and ask them, what was it like to go to school there academically? What was it like to play for this coach? You want to play for somebody you're going to love playing for, somebody who life is more than just sports. So I interview a lot of coaches for my podcast, a lot of coaches. I interview you guys are former professionals. So there's a lot of different things that if you have a question, I might be able to answer. Yes? What's your advice for young people who are trying to search for their gift? You know, what's, what's the process? To ask your parents of what they've seen over time. Uh, ask your high school coaches and teachers what they have seen in you. Ask friends that will tell you an honest evaluation of your gift's ability. But remember, the gift is something you can do better than anybody else with a lot less effort they have a different idea of what they want to do and their passion other than what the parents' plan was. And how, what's the advice you'd give them and how they're going to communicate that to their families if they want to go a different direction? I think you have to have a conversation with your parents where you talk to them about your gifts and ability and your plan. And I think if you do it in a mature way and you show a plan, I think if you have a mentor who you can work with, that will probably help. But keep in mind, your parents pouted your butt. So in their mind, you're still that little baby. And it is very hard to convince them that you're going on a path and you know better than they do. If you get into, into an argument with your parents, it is not going to work. But I can tell you, both my parents have passed on. And they watched me go through this different you know, process, and they were, very, they were very supportive. But at the same time, they didn't know what the heck I was doing. My father worked his career as a sing-sing prison guard. That's what he did. When I graduated from Syracuse and I came home, my father asked me, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to get a trade? Are you going to work as a carpenter? Or are you going to work at the post office? He could not envision the things that I saw for me and my gifts and my ability. So if your parents don't understand you, that's normal. But I think if you show that you're disciplined, that you're walking in a step and you can outline to them the steps that you have, I think that'll go a long way in convincing them that what you want to do and you're responsible. Particularly, if you're physically responsible and you're not trying to get yourself in all kinds of debt, get the most expensive college, I mean, you'll be, you'll be like one of those kids where your parents will be bragging about you because that's just not typical. I think if you do that, it'll make a big difference. The barrier of how people perceive you and how you carry yourself a lot of you are focused on, how do I look? One way you can make yourself feel more confident is how you dress. When you dress well, you feel better about yourself. You dress down, you don't feel that good about yourself. Secondly, but I'm, I'm very secure in having a definition of who I am you know, by how God looks at me and thinks about me. You have to work like it's all up to you, because it is. And you have to pray like it's all up to God, because it is. Those two things really affect how I interact with people. I'm thinking about who I am from God's perspective. And if people don't like what I'm doing, they ain't paying my bills, they're not gonna feed my kids, I don't really care. It's not that I'm insensitive, because there's probably three rules that are real important in my life as well. One is giving best effort. One is doing the right thing, even when people are not looking. And number three is caring about others. The more successful you are, the more people are not going to like you. If you want anybody to like you, just be a failure. 
Seriously. Nobody is writing blog posts or tweeting nasty things about failures. They take a shot that people are successful. So you really can't control that. But you can't control what comes out your mouth. You can't control how you dress. You can't control making the right choices when nobody's looking. When you do that, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at how many people are actually looking at you and watching you when you don't realize it. I was on the college of uh, Gettysburg, uh, campus of Gettysburg College for two years. Actually, I was there from 89 to 92. And I went there as a graduate assistant. I was coaching soccer, coaching lacrosse, and that was paying for graduate school. Gettysburg paid for me to go to school. While I was there, the way I conducted myself, about the second, I think about the second year there, uh, the vice president of the college called me into his office. I had no idea what he wanted. He said to me, we've been watching you. One of the deans of the school is not doing a good job. Matter of fact, they've, they've done some things to the point where we need to relieve them of their job. And we want you, I was 27 years old, we want you to be an interim dean here at Gettysburg College. And I was like, wow. My mentor said, you're 27. Take the job, get the experience, and I did. It all happened because of the way I carried myself. When I was a public school teacher, one of the second graders there, I had to correct them, I had to discipline them during class, and they didn't like it. The second grader went to the principal of the school and said, Mr. Opie got mad at me and cussed me out. The principal calls me into his office and says, Fred, I want to talk to you. I said, well, he said, uh, such and such said that you had an interaction with him and you cussed him out. And then the principal got a, a big smile on his face. I was working there about maybe six months. He got a smile on his face. He said, I thought there was a problem until he said you cussed him out. I've known you six months and never heard you cuss. So I knew he was lying. You got to get to the point where literally that your behavior is such that when people lie about you, they know it's a lie because it's just, it's not your character. It's just nothing you do. People are watching and people are listening. And it makes a huge difference in the opportunities you're going to have in life. Over 22,000 alumni from Herkimer, and I will say he's one of 22,000 that is the only person in the history of the college to be in both alumni, Hall of Honor, and our Athletic Hall of Fame. So I think we owe him a, a round of applause. Thank you. Check out our podcast archive, suggest show topics, and advertise on the show. And to book me as a guest and or speaker, visit our website, www.fredopi.com. That's www.fredopi.com. For information about advertising on the show, please email us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and be good.